Hey, I'm Dan, and if you're new to homebrewing, so am I. Welcome to my adventures in homebrewing. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and thanks for coming out for another beer or two along the way, one more time around the sun. Uh, I like to say thanks uh, to uh, to me, because it was me on on <laughs> on the show last week. Uh, so as, as you saw that uh, I did a Berliner Weiss, one of them actually turned out really good, and I am enjoying one right now, which is actually quite nice. Excuse me, I have a drink. And then I did one that were actually screwed up on. Yeah, live and learn, live and learn. So now I've, I've got things all pre-planned. I'm going to do it again. Um, I've got um, about four bags worth of frozen raspberries. I got to thaw out and puree and get ready to put into the carboy with the, uh, with the, the wheat beer that's being uh, soured by Lelemon's uh, Wild Philly Sour Brew Pitch, whatever. It's the one, it is the one yeast I found where you have everything in it. You just dump it and go. Now I'm doing, the other one I'm doing, excuse me, is I'm doing an experiment with uh, yeast from my friends from Escarpment Laboratories. Uh, I'm using the Berliner Brett 2. So it's supposed to do the same thing, but I got a feeling you might get a little bit of that Brett flavor in there because of it. So you have to stay in tune and maybe... Um, uh, I'll have to do a little bit of a taste test with some friends in the backyard and we'll do that. And we'll maybe we'll make a live show out of it because as you guys knew or know, I am switching from Anchor and I'm going over to Podbean. And with Podbean, I can do live call-in shows and also have guests on at the same time and talk to everybody. So let me know what you guys think. Uh, thinks. Yeah, I haven't had one too many. I just fall on my head one too many times guys it's all good so this week we're very lucky uh because i joined a new online homebrew club called the brew tubers because they were kind enough to invite me to join which is really cool they're a great bunch of guys and i have never seen such an eclectic wealth of knowledge anywhere in the, in the homebrew world these guys are fantastic and we're fortunate to have woodshed brewing with us dennis pin Dennis, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me tonight. I appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, man. So um, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into it? Yeah. Uh, so again, my name is Dennis Pin. I'm actually a uh, phys ed teacher and coach. I uh, live in Rochester, New York. Um, about five or six years ago, a, a friend of mine actually turned me on to homebrewing. I'd never even heard of it. I was a, a big fan of the macro lager type of thing. And um I had just gotten out of uh, coaching football, which took up the majority of my time outside of uh, teaching and being a dad and uh, was looking for something to get involved with. And uh, he turned me on to it. And I was like, well, this is kind of interesting. So, you, you know, what does everybody do? You go to YouTube and you start yep. researching and trying to figure out what's out there. Um, so I started watching a bunch of guys unbeknownst to me, the club that I'm part of now, you uh, Brewtubers, that was a majority of the guys I was actually watching. Um, and they're basically taking you through their brew days and taste testings and shipping beers all over the United States and having different people try it. Um, so I started kind of, you know, your, your typical, uh, got my first extract kit and turned out okay. And it wasn't a, a terrible disaster. So I was like, all right, well, this is pretty cool. Uh, so I started, you know, kind of working from that a little bit at a time and then worked right into all grain, you know, this uh, typical, if you're going to get into a hobby, you got to jump both feet in and figure it out and screw it up. Yep. Uh, so about five years ago, I actually got into this and uh, probably about a year ago, year and a half ago, I uh, really got into brew tubers. And at that point, it was not a full 
uh, online club. It was just kind of a gathering of folks that were basically throwing YouTube videos out, which I was not part of putting YouTube videos out at that point. And uh, just kind of got into the club and got to meet a bunch of the guys. And as you said, they're unbelievable folks mm -hmm. that are really welcoming to anybody that's interested. Anybody that has a question about brewing, it's you throw it out there and you get all kinds of different information. So Absolutely. Great, great group of guys. I mean, just on the other day, I put out uh, a question because I just, I have a glycol chiller and I have a bunch of lines. Uh, some of the lines that came with my Spike Flex Plus were already insulated. Okay. So I have all these silicone tubes. I'm like going to these other ones. I'm like, um, I don't want them not being insulated because well, they'll, they'll condensate, they'll go funky or whatever else. And within two seconds, I forget who it was, but one of the guys just said, Go to Home Depot. This is what you get. You're all good. I'm like, yeah, Damn. it's it's amazing because if if you're not an expert in it, somebody else has either screwed it up and figured out how do I fix it, yep. or they're an expert in it. There's there's videos out there. Uh, the president, Gary Main Brew guy, has actually done his own glycol build. He did the own, he did the whole thing, built wow. it all. Yeah, I tore apart a, an AC unit. He's got a YouTube video out there. So. I'm jealous that I was, I saw your post about the glycol chiller. I'm like, I'm clueless about it, but I'm super jealous that you have that. So, <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of research on it because a lot of the ones that I can get my hands on here in Canada, um, you have to buy submersible pumps to put in with it. And I didn't want that. I wanted something where I can program and then walk away. And I was able to find one made by Brewbuilt where I had, you can connect four tanks to it, seven gallon tanks. Wow. And all individual, everything's all internalized. So there's no some no need for extra pumps or anything else like that. It's all there. Uh, so then you do your glycol mix with, uh, I did like six liters of glycol to the rest of it, all water. So okay. I'm going to be going to be fine because it won't freeze. Unlike, sure. what, unlike what we did at the brewery where we kind of froze the beer in the break tank once. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. A little concentrated. Uh, went from being like a 5.2 to a 6.4 California common. <laughs> hey, more alcohol, no, no problem there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But that's not what we're here for tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking about fruit beer. So fruit beers, as what I understand, have been around, I guess, ever since really beer first came into play uh they needed things to ferment like make wine and things like that and then somebody had the bright idea why don't we introduce it into beer uh i don't know exactly one because even mr google doesn't know that one <laughs> so i went from there but my experience with, with fr making fruit beer is is kind of hit and miss um what I've done before, I've made a blueberry cream ale where I let everything ferment out. Then I put in the blueberries and then I capped it again and let it go. And I did the same thing with the Berliner Weiss, except for the one that I totally botched. Um, so I'm not exactly sure. Is it is it better to put it in with the actual primary or is it better to rack off the uh, fermented beer onto say the a few fruit puree or the fruit itself and then let it go for a little while longer what do you think it it's it's an it's a very interesting question because i think different fruits do different things i've talked to different people out there and i'm not sure if you've heard about the biotransformation of hops yep. but there is there are some fruits uh as i said gary the the president of the club 
he's talked about some different fruits like mango will actually biotransfer. I didn't realize that. Really? And then, yeah. So you want to actually pitch those. And again, this is from his experience, you're pitching those during fermentation. I typically do the same thing that you've done is actually have allowed the fermentation to complete. Then I add the fruit for 48 hours or so, color, taste, flavor, those types of things. Um, one of the things I do uh, with my sour beers, adding fruit to it, I've actually added lactose. I found that the lactose actually kind of bumps up that flavor. The fruit kind of backs up the sweetness because you typically okay. ferment that out. You get a secondary fermentation happening. Um, so you get a little bit of that flavor, but that helps that sweetness a little bit and it balances the sour. Um, but that's typically what you're talking about is typically what I do is I add the, the fruit afterwards. Um, I'll buy like a, um, the paint strainers bag that you get mm -hmm. at a hardware store, <laughs> yep. put that over the top of the fermenter, dump the puree into it. So I get as much out of it as I can. And I pull that out and I rack that into a keg. Um, so I think it depends on what type of fruit you're talking about and then how well it carries through. If you're talking about a watermelon, does the fruit carry through on that compared to a black raspberry or, or something a little bit more pungent? Okay. So I don't necessarily strain it all because what I'll do is I'll like have it. I work at a brewery part-time right now being a retired guy. I could got to do something to keep me busy. Sure. So um, I work part-time in the brewery and uh, what we do when we make our blueberry saison is a, my boss will actually go to Costco. He'll buy umpteen flats of of the Kirkland frozen blueberries. And, yep. and at the end of the night, when we're getting ready to do it all, he lays them all out in the, like the, the bags so they'll fall all over the floor, let them all fall out, come on the next morning, cuts them all open, and then he has one of those big industrial um, immersion blenders. Yeah, yep. It puts it all in a sanitized bucket, purees it all, and then dumps it in. Okay. And the reason why he does that is because he says anything that's anything that could be on them, like on the berries itself, when the, once it's flash frozen, kills it instantly. I'm like, right. okay, that, that makes sense to me. But he doesn't strain his either. He just dumps it all straight in because he says there's a lot in the skins and the seeds that uh, not only give, say, character or sweetness for the beer, but it also gives off some kind of oil that helps um, helps like say the lactic acid or uh, the lactobacillus eat a little to keep going. Okay. So I've, I tried looking into that and I haven't really, I don't know, but I trust him because he makes award-winning beer. So, so it makes, I mean, makes sense. So yeah. when I do things like my blueberry or raspberry beers, I get frozen berries and then I'll thaw them out and puree them. But this time around, <laughs> there's a company down in Florida called Aseptic Puree. Okay. Yes. Yep. And I got a bunch sent to me, but they screwed up. Oh no. They Cause I'm allergic to mangoes. Oh, and I got mango puree instead of the blackberry puree I was supposed to get. <laughs> oh, bummer. So it's all good. So I talked to them today. They're going to send me a, a, send me the one I need. And they're like, eh, you can keep that one and do something with it. Like make a, maybe a sorbet or something or whatever, right. but we'll see. But, I find that sometimes, even if you uh, let the beer ferment out all the way, as soon as you introduce something new that has sugar in it, that yeast activates right away. Yep. And then you got to wait a look, another week or maybe a week and a half to make sure that it's all done again. Um, there's a brewery here in Guelph, Ontario, 
Guelph, Ontario called Third Moon. And they did a uh, guava IPA, mm. which is like, sounds really good, but they didn't let it ferment all the way. And people were getting can bombs where it was just oozing oh. out like yeast and everything else. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that can cause a problem. Yeah, if you're not, uh, if you're packaging and you're, you're not some way, way to pasteurize that yeast so it doesn't, doesn't keep doing that, that's a, that's a problem. Yeah. So what do you think? Is it, is it better to use, um, say, like things like we were saying that the, the purees or the frozen berries, or can you actually go out and just get fresh fruit and go from there? Or do you think you need to cook that down just to make sure if there's anything there, it gets killed? So I, the last one I did uh, this past summer, a friend of mine had during COVID, you know, everybody's finding different things to do. Yeah. A friend of mine had a black raspberry patch in his backyard Ooh. and he started picking and he just noticed there was, he'd never really done anything with them. And he started picking them and noticed he ended up with gallon bags, just salad full and he froze them. So I didn't, I figured, you know what, if it's frozen, kind of like the flash freezing, that's what you're talking about is what I've done in the past is I bought the frozen fruit from a Costco, from one of those places, pureed after it's come back from, from thawing. I decided to say, all right, we'll let the thaw. And it was a natural fruit right from his backyard. And I didn't have any problems with any, you know, you, you wonder going, is there going to be a, a wild yeast or something yeah. in there? And it turned out to be one of the best sours I've made. I had, I've given it to a bunch of different people and they've had, you know, great great things to say about it. So um, I, I think you want to take as much care as you can to make sure that you're not getting any bacteria in it. But again, we're in a five gallon batch or even less. It'd be different if you're going to be at the brewery or like your work. And mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know what how the barrel system is, but that's mm -hmm. whatever it is. That's more than 30 gallons. That's a lot of money. Yeah, we to, do. To waste. We have uh, two 15, oh, is it two seven, two 15 and two 30 barrel fermenters. Yeah, that's that's a big risk to take if you're not sure yeah. that it's that it's good. I mean, on a homebrew batch, you can say, "All right, well, we're we're going to give it a shot and see what happens." But what I've what I've read and what I've I kind of do is I go with the frozen stuff as much as possible. This um, the black raspberries being from my buddy's house, I was like, "All right, well, let's give it a shot and see what happens." Worst case scenario, it's terrible, and I throw out five gallons. I'm not out that much. So, um, but I do freeze it. Um, I have never cooked anything down in terms of going on the hot side. It's always been on a cold side with a frozen type of berry. Okay. Because I'm not, I would think if you get the fresh stuff, you make the puree and then you freeze it, should there be anything wild or even critter, possible microscopic critter, it should kill it. At least I would think. That would be my understanding as well. I'm not as, you know, on, on the pasteurization side moving up and I don't, I don't know the, the, um, the Celsius to Fahrenheit, but in the Fahrenheit, it's typically in the 180 range. Yep. I'm not sure the, the, uh, the Celsius on that side, but that's typically what people talk about pasteurization range being 20 ish degrees below boiling. Uh, but I don't know on the cold side, but everything I've read is, is freezing will do the same thing in terms mm. of killing that. I'm just not positive of it. Now, would you ever put, I mean, I know like for some of the beers that we've done at the shop, we've actually put say like um, dehydrated uh, orange and grapefruit peel inside bags and dropped it in the boil kettle just yep. so you can extract, extract the oils and essential oils and all that to give it the flavor. 
sure your wet beers and things like that your, your corianders and yeah. yeah yep and the question is though that's one way to do it but do you think you could actually put um say the puree or something inside of the bright tank and let it do it that way and let it condition on that i would think you know I, there's a lot of people out there that do like a mexican lager and they'll take the peel or the uh the, just the green portion of a lime and they'll you know you zest that lime or zest mm -hmm. the lemon and they'll put that in there um, i've seen people do that in the boil i've seen people do that in the fermenter as well to try to get some of that citrus character out of it i've never heard of putting it in the bright tank um, but that'd be interesting to see, does that flavor carry through for through fermentation into the bright tank, or do you need to do it in the bright tank to get that flavor out? Because it sometimes it's pretty delicate. Yeah. Oh, well, seeing as I just got a bright tank, I might have to give that a try. That would be, it'd be interesting to give it a shot and see what it would actually do for you. Oh, Brewtuber episode coming. There, see, there you go. <laughs> Lots of experiments. That's that's the cool thing about this this hobby is there's so many different ways you can go with it and as long as it like we said as long as you're not on the professional scale you can really experiment and say all right well does this transition to a professional size yeah. or is it not worth the, the the cost and the risk ratio is it not worth taking the shot and that's one thing i'm learning i mean there's been like a few beers i'm like yeah no and just dumped and not even thought twice about it because it, and like I'm not going to drink a beer I don't like, and I'm not going to serve a beer to somebody that I don't like. Yes. And if it, if it doesn't meet my, my standards, it's, it's gone. Sure. Um, now, are there any fruits you think that really shouldn't work in a beer? I mean, one thing that pops into my mind, well, obviously it's durian fruit that doesn't go anywhere near, near beer, but uh, <laughs> it's the idea of rotting flesh in beer just, just doesn't do it for no. me. No, uh, no, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, no. But would somebody say like lychee or um, or like dragon fruit or anything like that? Do you think that might work? Yeah, I, you know what? There, as you start looking around, and, and I apologize to go back to sours, but that seems like oh. that's, or the Berliner Weiss and the, the sours, that's where most people are putting it. You start looking around, there are so many different combinations of different fruits out there that I would have never considered even taking a shot at. Um, I, just in the recent, uh, um, just this past month or two, I had one that had coconut, banana, um, I think it was guava. It was kind of that tropical fruit type thing, wow. but I would have never thought of the banana being in there. That's yeah, not really. something I typically go to. Um, and, you know, you think of banana and hepaweizen from the mm -hmm. yeast, but not from the actual banana. So I guess my mindset on it is if you like to eat the fruit and it's enjoyable to you, why not give it a shot in at least in a home homebrew size scale? Yeah, I guess it gives them more reason to try some grapefruit and things that combine together to drop yeah. that into into a beer. But is there anything fruit-wise do you think really sh just should not go inside of a beer? That's a, that's a tough thing to say because I think it's so open to what people's styles are. I think it's a, you know, when you start talking about uh, serving a beer to a person, you get into, do you like, is it a personal preference that you like it? Um, I have this conversation with, with friends of mine all the time in terms of they don't like a brewery. And I'm like, well, what, what about the brewery don't you like? And they'll get into their personal preferences about some of the flavors. And it's like, well, that's your personal preference. That's not everyone's. Is there, yeah. is there a fault in the brewing? Is there off flavors? You get medicinal. What are those types of things? So I guess when you start thinking about what types of fruit shouldn't be used, 
I think you can get into that of, is that a personal preference to the fruit or is there an actual uh, purpose of not using that fruit? Does it cause, does it cause some, some off flavor down the line that you may not, you know, when you, you eat it as a fresh fruit, does it cause an issue when you've got into fermentation? Because that, that could be an issue. I don't know of any fruits right off the top of my head that would cause that type of thing. Um, I'd like to play with cherries. I would like, yep. there's some things I've never done before. Um, some of those fruits that you don't even really think about, I wouldn't mind trying and seeing. And just to experiment and see, does it cause an issue down the line that you don't even anticipate with fermentation? Because that's a whole other chemistry piece mm -hmm. that you're not, you're not sure of how it's going to react. I thought I left high school chemistry like 20 to 30 years ago. And I, never right? thought I'd, I thought I'd be back into it. <laughs> I, it's, it's amazing because I, working in a school, we have chemistry teachers and I went in and I said, all right, I need help with water chemistry. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I explained what I'm doing. And I'm like, I should have paid more attention in chemistry class because oh, I yeah. didn't. And I so, wish I had. Uh, I actually got the, um, I, I have the yeast, the hops and the malt uh, books out of the four that uh, the Brewers uh, Association, I guess, yep. sponsored and put out. The one I didn't get was the water chemistry book. Yeah. Because I looked at it and I'm like, oh, dear God, no. <laughs> it's a, there's a lot of chemistry there. Yeah. It's, my, my mind was just melting looking at it. But that's neither here nor there. Right. Are there, um, I know that like a lot of people use, um, or I should say, a lot of breweries when they come to time to make their beers and things like that with fruit, they use a lot other, they use uh, citrus, like orange, lemon, lime, or grapefruit or mm -hmm. pom pom pomelo pomegranate pomegranate yep. uh but then they also lean heavily on the berries like cherries blackberries blueberries raspberries strawberry some yep. there's one here that does a strawberry rhubarb saison was actually really nice but i'd be kind of curious to know or what you think um you know, there are some people who use things like apple or, or pineapple or things like that. To me, those are, there's, there's acids and sugars in there that might not necessarily go well with like a malt flavor or something else right. like that, um, or may have an adverse effect on the conversion of sugars and starches when it goes into the boil or when you move it into the fermenter or whatever else, it may have an adverse effect even on the yeast. Um, right. So that's where I get a little concerned when, when I'm doing with fruit puree, uh, just fruit in general. I just usually stay within my wheelhouse and don't really necessarily delve too far out of what I know, or at least what I know works. Right. And, and, and that's the thing is if you test something and you're like, it, it's reacted well, and it's, I like the product I get, you have a tendency to go back to it. So um Right now, in terms of what I typically do, I have a, a strawberry rhubarb. I call it berry and barbs. I'm kind of working on that process. I don't get enough of the strawberries out, so I don't. I keep playing with it, but it's fresh rhubarb out of my my yard. Nice. Um, I like it. I liked what I got out of it, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted. So I'm continuing to play with that. Strawberries. I don't get enough of the strawberries, so that's one of the things that I don't. That's um, a berry that I don't think the the flavor carries through. I think that ferments out pretty quickly. And from what I've understand from people, it's a very delicate flavor. Um, so I'm going to actually try the um, OYL. Uh, it's called uh, Sun. It's a strawberry. It's a it's a Belgian yeast that they've pulled okay. the, the uh, banana and clove out of, and you only get strawberry out of it. It's um, is it Omega? 
I have the pack out. I'm actually going to try it in that to see if I okay. can kind of bump that up. Um, but I typically go to the berries as well because I think they react well. I think they give you a really cool color mm-hmm. in the beer. That's a that's that what you were just drinking is a really cool color that I like out of that. Thanks. Um, it's it's that's that's perfect. I just did a um, a beer with a, another brew tuber uh, from Rec Brewing, Matt. We did he'd never done a sour before, so we did a collab together and we called it Tipsy Smurf, and it's got three pounds of blueberries <laughs> on it. So, and it was, you know, it it's it was a cool color and it nice. it reacted really well. Um, I've done the mixed berries, so it's blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, done those together. I have one that's called Searching for Shade. It's uh, mango, papaya, pineapple, and guava. It's more oh, wow. of that tropical summer. Um, I want to add coconut to that and try to create that uh, that really you're in the Caribbean type of thing. Um, but it's, I think, experimenting with it and experimenting with one at a time, one yeah. fruit. What do you get out of it? And how, if you use it in the same way each time, then I know what the way it's going to react. If I'm going to put it into fermentation, do I get biotransformation? Who knows? If I do it after fermentation, I, I get X color and I get X flavor out of it. And then, you know, there's a linear type of reaction and I know what I'm going to get at the end. So then as a brewer, I can start to create that recipe of do I want to have a more malt for beer? Will that work together? Or yeah. is it need to be a sour where you had to have that plain base and the fruit really is playing the main role and the malts sit back. Okay. Have you ever tried um, a company called Brewers Best where they do the, the natural extracts? It, um, I don't believe I have. No, I have had some extracts, but I don't think it's from Brewers Best before. So, I, there's, I think it's Brewer's Best that I can get here at my my local homebrew store, and they're all natural extracts. So okay. when I I made a, uh, a strawberry, blackberry, raspberry cider. Ooh, that sounds good. And when I racked off of it onto the fruit and let it go for a while, I took a taste out of it. I didn't like quite what it was. So per five gallon uh, batch, you get like maybe a a little bottle about that big by about yep. that big on the round sure and it's one of those per five gallon buckets okay so i figured that's an easy way just to bump up flavors yes. and yep. there's no introduction of sugars right so you can kind of you can kind of back up that flavor if it doesn't come through yeah so i was thinking when i do the berliner again if i don't think it's got enough raspberry in it other than going to town to just pounding raspberry to it i'll just right, yeah. drop a bottle of that into it and see what happens yep no i think that's a that's a great backup to that and then you can kind of see how much of that do you like do you mm-hmm. start with half of it and say all right well that's enough or do you go to the full thing because it's hard to back off of it if oh, it's yeah. too much then and uh, it's it's because that's the only thing i i find with and it depends on the the brand that you go with um sometimes i get like a chemical aftertaste on them. So yeah. if they're, if they're the natural ones, I think you're, you're, you're the best bet going with that. Some of the companies you have to decide what you like. I had a lot of people say, Oh yeah, just go to the, go to the grocery store and buy the ones you can get for like clubhouse and things like that. You're fine. Go for that. I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no. Yeah. It, if it tastes chemically, then that ruins your entire batch. Exactly. That's not, that's not really a, a good idea. I mean, uh, when I first jumped into, doing beer again because i like 
I, I've told the story to all how many times and people on the, who are listening to this are going to say enough with telling this fucking story. <laughs> but uh, when, when I got into doing homebrew, it, my wife had bought me like a starter kit where you got your carboy, your bucket, the paddle and everything else and a can sure. of, and a can of LME. Oh yeah. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I did that, but the bucket didn't come with a, a lid. Oh, or an airlock. So I figured like, I'm thinking, okay, well, army guy, we'll make it, we'll make it work. <laughs> saran wrap all, right. over the, yeah. all over the top. It's going to be airtight saran sure. wrap. Absolutely. Then I, then I put bungee cords and then, and then we call it paracord. It's like um, a nylon cord with a, uh, with, it's a, like a, almost like a cotton with a nylon core sure. that, we, that we can use for parachutes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I wrapped that around also the tied on tight. I'm like, okay, this is going to be fine. Right. It's not what could go wrong. Well, <laughs> well, my son at the time was just learning to walk. Oh, no. And walking, what's this? Oh, oh just poke, 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 poke. And I had a very young dog at the time, too. He comes oh. ripping around. What's this? And goes a snout, oh. and I'm like, I'm patching this thing up as much as I can as I go. Oh. Then at one point, I look down. Why is it growing mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> like you have an entire infected batch. Very infected. I'm like, oh, oh like, man, what's that smell? It's like it's me dumping beer down the drain. Yeah, it's that's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Oh, that's so, rough. So yeah. So now what what I'm doing is is that. Um, when I got back into it, I went and bought an all-in-one system and everything else. And the very first beer I made on it was a s'mores stout. Ooh, that sounds good. Oh yeah. It was boozy, like 10% boozy. Oh, okay. <laughs> By the so, fire and only have a couple of those it's bedtime. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are telling me like, well, you know, if you're going to do things like that, you should do uh, tinctures. And they're like, well, sure. you should do a tincture with your fruit. And I'm like, that does not make sense to me because you're introducing not only the fruit, but you're actually introducing like an alcohol to it that sure. you don't need to. And it's going to totally adjust the flavors. Yes. Yeah. So, you're going to get a, you know, typically people will use some type of neutral spirit for those tinctures, you know, a gin yeah. or a vodka or something like that. But it's, you're, you're obviously raising the alcohol in it and you're going to change the flavors of those. I mean, it's one thing if you're doing a bourbon barrel aged something, and you're you're adding the wood chips into that and that and you're following that that follows but if you're doing it with fruit and it's already flash, flash frozen that's the whole point of the tincture is to try to kill anything that's there so if it's flash frozen you should be safe doing that so why why introduce a different flavor then exactly i mean i did a tincture for um a barrel aged stout i just did uh Thank you to the guys at Escutman Laboratories once more for giving me the yeast to do that. And I hope Perfect. you're enjoying the, enjoying the beer that I gave you guys. These guys are fantastic. Uh, they've said to me that anytime I want to do an experiment, they'll give me the yeast to do it. Oh, that's awesome. So they're fantastic. And I plug these guys religiously because, um, don't get me wrong, um, dry yeast is, is fantastic depending on what you want to do with it. Yeah. I just find I get better results by using liquid yeast. Because yeah. one, I just got to let it warm up, shake it up. I don't do starters. I just dump it straight in. And I've had fantastic success. That's good. Yeah. So and as long as it's not too old and your viability is there, you should be all set with it. Exactly. And the guys seem to send me the stuff that is perfectly good. 
in good yeah. shape and relatively brand new. Uh, some of the stuff they they sent me has been like they just harvested it, packaged it, and sent it out. So which wow. is like can't get any fresher than that. And they're in your area too, aren't they? Yeah, they're about five to six hours from where I live. Okay, are they so, Canadian? Yes, they are. That's what I thought. Okay. So if you're heard... in Canada, are they Guelph, Ontario? Guelph, Ontario. Okay. Guelph. Guelph. Okay. G U E L P H. And you're in Ottawa, am I correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So Rochester, it's basically Toronto is just basically north of us. Mm-hmm. I know where right Ro- Rochester is. Okay. You just cross the pond, right? Just cross the pond, my <laughs> way. You're making me sound like where I grew up in the Maritimes. Yes, bye. <laughs> <laughs> To all my friends who are down down home, hi, how are you? Yes, I'm making fun <laughs> of the accent. Trust me. It's taken a long time for it to get pounded out of me. <laughs> but yeah, no, but um, I'm, I find like on a really hot, nice summer day, a good fruit beer goes a long yeah. way because they're yeah. usually pretty low ABV. You really are. You're, you're typically going to be somewhere in that three and a half to five percent. Yeah. So a sour, a wheat beer that's got fruit added to it, which are things that I enjoy. Although those are perfect summertime beers. That's that's right up. You know, you got the shandies that are add the lemonades to it. So it's mm-hmm. it's all kind of in that same four four and a half percent. They want you want fruit during the summertime. You want low ABV. You want something that's that's a a dry on the finish. That's that's a quenchable type of beer. Nice. All yeah. right. Um... Is there anything you want to like stress that anything you found along your travels for doing fruit beers that you think, even if it's mistakes you've made along the way that people should be aware of? I guess, you know, as you get into the blogs and start reading and it's more on, I guess, more towards the, your, your Berliner Weiss and your sours, people get a little out of control with oxygen. And if you, if you read the milk, the funk wiki, and you get into those types of things. There's a lot of stuff out there where people are like, you know what, you don't have to. Like when I first started, I purged the purged my fermenter when I had the, a, I use um, a good belly, good shot. It's a probiotic to pre acidify my wort. And then I kind of go through the brewing process. But I think people freak out over every little thing. And I think if you sanitize, keep everything clean as best your ability, and just use basic, good, common sense. Um, in terms of your brewing practices, you're gonna be fine. I think people go over the top sometimes. So I think if you, if you just stay within your realm and don't go too far outside of it and take one step at a time and kind of figure out what works for you and then kind of work off of that. Don't, don't go off the deep end and adding all these things at one time. Um, So one thing I've learned is, is you can't then reproduce what, what one of those 18 things that you add added the thing that you liked mm-hmm. so if you add one thing at a time you can say all right well this was a yeast or this was a a fruit or this was a fermentation temperature then you can go back to it and say all right well i reproduce that i like this but i want to amp up that and then i can change it and yeah. do those and, and maybe use small batches do one or two gallon batches and say all right well then i can play around with it and i can brew more often so that's been my kind of a background with it and it's we all i want to i want to make this massive beer and I, uh, I can't do that. And I got to back up and try to figure it out. So I think if you're taking baby steps as you're going through it, that's probably usually, the best, best I have. Usually come by about October, November, I'm making beer for the winter. So I don't have to be outside. Right. So yeah. 
yeah, at this, this point in the, in, in whether you're in the States or in Canada, in this point of the, the country, I was brewing that, that tipsy Smurf I was telling you about, it was three feet of snow outside in February that I was doing it. And he's in South Carolina with his garage door open. And I'm like, I, you suck. <laughs> yep. But then again, three feet, of, I would take three feet of snow or like the, the six feet I get here. Oh gosh. No. Yeah. At <laughs> it, it, the very least, I guess my, my, uh, my chilling time is much quicker because I use yes. the snow when I have a pump and I run the water through the snow. So I guess that's okay. But uh, there's been a few times where I've put the beer into kegs and I've cold crashed just in a snowbank, pack yeah. it around the keg and just let it be for like the day. And it's yeah, it, done. It works, right? Well, sub-zero temperatures. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anything else you want to pass along for, for tips or tricks? I think if you uh, get on YouTube's, that's the best thing I've found is, is get out there and, and ask questions. I think people are really interested in interacting with people on YouTube with your comments mm -hmm. and people for the most part are really generally what I find with brewing more so than I ever would have thought is people are, are really open to sharing. These are Absolutely. mistakes I've made. These are things that I would do. Um, you would think in a creative type of thing like this, as someone gets something that's good, they kind of want to, and this is mine. No, people no. Are, very, are really, really well welcoming and open and want you to, to be successful. Absolutely. This so. is like a, one of the best communities uh, for a hobby I've ever been in. I mean, yeah. I've, I've had my own photography business uh, and it was so cutthroat. Like you reach out for help from somebody to help you out. No, no, no. Or what's in it for yeah. me? Or like, yeah, I'll help you, but it's this is what's going to cost you. And I'm like, well, right. what the hell? Um, yeah. In the craft beer world, and at least in the homebrew world here in in where I live, uh, the breweries all help each other. All the guys in the craft and the in the homebrew world, we all help each other. I mean, there's the odd there's the odd person who like you're like sure. I want I want nothing to do with you, yep. but that's here or here nor there. But this is this is one of the coolest things I've ever done. And guys, if ever you have questions or whatnot, go to the brew tubers. Check out their check out their videos. Pelt the guys with questions. You can ask me questions too. I don't know if it'll be any good, but we'll see what happens. Hey, throw it in there. We have a Discord channel that you can jump in and ask questions. You don't have to be a, a paid member. You can just join. Uh, join that, and there's a lobby that you can throw questions out. So it's it's like any of the um, any of those uh, blogs you get onto. But the nice thing is it's live. People have their phones Absolutely. on all the time. And they're constantly answering. And it, it may not be the best advice in the world, but at least you got some answers and you'll get it real time. Dennis, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate your time tonight, bud. Well, not a problem. I appreciate having me on. Thanks a bunch. Awesome. So guys, thanks a lot for coming along for the ride and a beer or two along the way. Uh, thanks again to Dennis and the Brewtubers for being a part of the show tonight. Check them out. Check out Woodshed Brewing Company. Uh, I believe they're on, you're on Instagram too, right? Uh, not Instagram, but I'm on Twitter and YouTube. Check them, check them out on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, check them out also on, uh, if you go in the Discord, make sure you hit Dennis up with some questions. And also uh, this week, uh, I'll be talking with uh, Zach from the Toronto Brewing, uh, Toronto Brewing, which is the local homebrew store down in Toronto that I've been dealing with a lot lately. So his episode will probably be, be out in a little while. Uh, guys, thanks a lot. And I'll see you on the other side.